welcome to Slimehouse, a podcast rated PG for crude humor, outrageous hijinks, and mild language. I'm Max. I'm Jasper. I'm Jared. I'm Nelson. And I'm Dorothy. And today we're hitting the high seas for a very special birthday from one Max Morris. We've gone all the way around the bell now with our fifth birthday special. It's second in a row. It's a it's a bit of a birthday month here in September. Yeah, it's yeah. birthday season. But Max, what have you what have you selected for us today for our viewing pleasure? Um, for my birthday, I've picked a, an actual recent discovery of mine that's quickly became a a favorite comedy. I've chosen um, 1994's Cabin Boy. It's the story of a boy and his love affair with the sea. This moron got on the wrong boat. <laughs> he never dreamed where the winds of fortune would blow him, where the spirit of adventure would hurl him. Or where the hands of fate Come on over here, honey Would grab him These pipes are clean Touchstone Pictures presents Chris Elliott So this is what you guys do for fun Humiliate an imbecile <laughs> Cabin Boy Thank you, fellow crewmates, I'm off And when I return, I shall be a cabin man Rated PG-13 when a fancy lad leaves his finishing school for Hawaii, he mistakenly boards a crusty fishing boat and finds himself on a wild and fantastic journey through Hell's Bucket with a band of misfit seamen. All right, so this was directed by Adam Resnick, who, along with Chris Elliott, is a Late Night with David Letterman alum. Um, he also create co-created the show Get a Life with Chris Elliott and also was a writer on the film Death to Smoochie, which I... Haven't seen in full, but from what I remember of the promotion, seems like it could be some anti-slime. Mm -hmm. um, and it was written by Resnick and Chris Elliott, who also stars in the movie, actually produced by Tim Burton, who was originally intended to direct the movie. He reached out to Resnick and to Chris Elliott after watching the show Get a Life, wanting to work on something with them. He thought their creative visions would really go together well, but he was actually offered the chance to direct Ed Wood early in the production and left and just sort of handed it to Adam Resnick, who was a first time director. It was like, I'll pay for this, but you finish the finish the movie. So you really get a lot of, I think you can see Tim Burton's foot, like fingerprints on this movie. And it was scored by Steve Bartek, who we've actually seen on the show before. He scored Meet the Beatles and a frequent collaborator with Danny Elfman. He actually was a member of Oingo Boingo and he's worked with him on almost all of his scores, including Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which we've, just covered recently. And as Max mentioned, uh, this movie stars Chris Elliott in the lead. We've seen him a couple times before on the show, Snow Day, Osmosis Jones. But this is his first lead role we've seen him in and probably will on the show. A couple of other supporting cast members that appear here that might be of note, Brian Doyle Murray, a big character actor, Russ Tamblin of West Side Story fame, appears as a Half Man, Half Shark, and uh, lots of other big bearded actors. James Gammon, Brian James, Rich Brinkley, and uh, comedian Melora Walters also um, has a nice bit in this as well. So Max, this is a fascinating pick. So w what made you pick this one out of, out of all, the, all the movies in the bucket? Um, I was kind of, I was, I was kind of choosing my birthday pick the way I think Jared kind of went with, where I was trying to think of something where like, a movie that's maybe not quite Slimehouse enough to be covered on the podcast as a whole, but a movie that I liked enough and wanted to talk about enough and I think has enough slimy elements that it would still be appropriate. And I went with this movie, which is a movie I'd heard of for a long time, always had been 
fascinated by it. I'm a big fan of box office flops. And this would be sort of a notorious flop. And I've always been a big fan of like late night comedians and especially the era of like David Letterman, early David Letterman, a little later on some of the Conan stuff I was a big fan of. And this had, of course, Chris Elliott and Andy Richter in pretty decent roles. And then you have Letterman pops in for a cameo. So I'd always been kind of interested, like, oh, there's this weird Letterman movie that like is about, a, say, like, like about pirates and all this. And it's just one of my favorite types of movies has always been a movie that the whole time you're watching it, you're like, wow, it's crazy that this movie exists. And <laughs> I think this movie, like some, I think some examples, like one of my favorite movies is Southland Tales, um, the Richard Kelly movie. More recently, the movie Malignant, I think, is a movie that kind of the whole time you're watching it, you're like, wow, I can't believe this exists on this scale. And it's like, but, and I think Cabin Boy is a prime example of a movie that the whole time you're watching it, you're like, wow, I can't believe this was made. And I think that's why I have such a fondness for the movie. Yeah, I will say I never heard of this movie until you you brought it up. I mean, when you I looked it up and the poster maybe felt familiar, but overall, I mean, I guess that speaks to its kind of um, reputation as a flop. I had never heard of this one. So I'm, I'm glad glad you brought it to the table. I feel like something we've talked to, like we talked about, with Good Burger, kind of movies that remind me of SpongeBob. I was a big SpongeBob fan growing up. I think this movie very strongly feels like a live-action SpongeBob to me. Just a little more mean-spirited, maybe a little more like a little more adult. I think that like there's a lot of like pretty light innuendos, but sexual humor in this movie that was not in SpongeBob. Or and also, but I think this movie feels like a live-action episode of SpongeBob, and even more so a live-action episode of a show called The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack that was a little later. I don't know if you all would be familiar with it. It was a Cartoon Network show. It's actually, yeah. It had Brian Doyle Murray in a voice role, which makes me think this might have been a, an influence on that show. But I think this like really feels like that show to me. And I think that, like we say, live-action cartoons always ring a slimy. And even if this isn't really... A, a children's movie i think it's a prime example of a live action cartoon which is why i felt that it was a at least they had a, sli a slimy film if not slime house that's crazy that makes all kinds of sense because like i was watching this and i don't know if you guys remember but spongebob did have some live action elements like it had this pirate character dude yeah patchy the pirate I think yeah <laughs> and they sometimes have like a side like long asides or like I remember renting some Spongebob on video or DVD or something and like they had like a bonus with him and I was watching it with like my aunt and uncle and their and our cousins our age and they were like fast forward this crap we were like no we like it it's fun you know but like this movie literally felt like like the prequel to Patchy interestingly enough Chris Elliott did voice a character on SpongeBob, Lord Poltergeist. That observation, I wouldn't even doubt that inspired SpongeBob a little bit. I mean, I feel like it's a very similar scene of comedians from the time, and it would make sense time-wise. Like SpongeBob came out in the late '90s, so yeah, I think like the like '90s alt comedy scene is kind of what SpongeBob grew out of in a lot of ways. I mean, with like Tom Kenny, who came from Mr. Show, being the voice of SpongeBob, and yeah, and, and I've always been a big fan of a lot of that, and I think that. You see that in this movie, and you also see I'm a big I'm a, I'm a big Tim Burton fan. I even am an apologist for some of his later work, not all of it. But hey, I liked I liked Dumbo. I thought Dumbo was I, I liked Dumbo a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that I think it's very sweet that we chose birthday choices that are both related to Tim Burton. Well, not only I realized they're both Tim Burton, 
related. This one less so, of course, but I, like I said, you still see his his fingerprints on yeah. it. Also, vaguely Letterman related because Letterman is who kind of blew Pee Wee up. Wow. Now I know who to how to get who to get you guys a cameo for for your birthday. <laughs> I would be so happy. Letterman is so connected to like speaking of rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. Um, but Red oh, Letterman man. had a really great web of comedians around him yeah i think that he was a very funny comedian had a lot of funny people around him and chris elliott someone who i actually i hadn't seen too much of until i had watched this movie and i found him very funny and i was familiar with his slime house roles and with some of his work in like Shit's creek which he's been in more recently mm-hmm. and going back and watching a lot of his letterman stuff after seeing this movie i think you see he has sort of like a manic, like man-child nature to him that I think that like a lot of that Letterman doesn't necessarily have. And I think that you definitely see some, he's he's a much meaner character than Pee-wee, Nathaniel in this, but I think you see some of his like spoiled, like petulance and like childishness reminds me of just kind of bring in the last movie we talked about um, and about just how they're all Tim Burton adjacent. You see some Pee-wee-ness in the character, I think. Max, a lot of the humor that like made me think that you chose this as something relating to Slimehouse for your birthday choice is that uh, I feel like there was a lot of gross-out humor, like the chum and yeah, how a smelly lot of the food. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's one song I really like where it's like he thinks because the whole thing is he's like a prissy. He's very like he, he he's like a very particular he's a rich boy he goes to school to become a fancy lad and after graduating (laughs) he's going back to hawaii to visit his like wealthy dad and he ends up on a boat full of like dirty sailors and when he first realizes he's on like the wrong boat he's like trying to figure out where he is and i don't remember what introduces it but he's like we came here that one of the pirates says we came here to fish and stink and then like the other yeah. one says mostly the latter and yeah. like, like lots of stink humor and a lot of this they're just all stuff. laid up on the ground with like hundreds of crushed beer cans around them just totally wasted <laughs> they're such pirate stereotypes i think this feels very much um, like a we we, we talked peewee's big adventure maybe doesn't have this as much but this a lot of this movie's visuals reminds me of peewee's playhouse which had actually the character captain carl played by phil hartman which feels right out of this movie and i think like especially a lot of the puppets you see in the movie there's a Mm -hmm. i think the 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 wind it's a very beautifully art directed like movie the movie has a very opulent sort of set and look to it that I feel like yeah. is what makes it stand out to me is you're seeing like such intricate like set design and beautiful art design in service of just like the silliest material <laughs> that you could ever see in a movie. Yeah, it reminded me of two different kind of styles of of movie as I was watching it. One it kind of felt like a loving kind of ode or even parody of like kind of old silent films in a weird way, like old like I, I saw somebody on Letterbox reference George Melier, stuff like that, very handcrafted sets, things like that. But it also reminded me, and this is a, and if this is kind of like too vague of a reference, let me know. But when I was growing up, I especially in school, but also you know with my grandparents, I'd watch a lot of like filmed theater performances and things like that. And they all had this kind of this same look to it. Like you could tell it was a theater performance, but they tried to shoot it in a way that didn't look like that. And this to me kind of felt like a weird parody of those. Not, I don't want to say a parody, but you know, like a, like a, like a, almost like a, 
subversion of those interesting kind of like PBS, BBC, like theatrical presentations. See, maybe a lot of them like public access TV. But to me, it felt like 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 a like a like a very bright, vibrant, like comedic version of of one of those kind of yeah, presentations. Yeah, I, I like the sets are very stylized, but they're also very clearly like artificial, which I yes, think really yes. adds to that. Uh, one thing that it kind of reminded me of uh, going off that is like sort of like the early spoof movies of the '80s, like the Zucker movies in particular. This movie kind of felt like it was like spoofing something, the way like Airplane is spoofing like the certain 70s movies like airport and towering inferno and then there's they also did like the naked gun movies top secret which is a great one but uh um, yeah, i love that just, one. yeah there's just something about how like this movie is like com- like it feels like it's spoofing like a pi- like the pirate genre or maybe something like robinson crusoe or one of those just kind of like adventure you know yeah i feel like what it's kind of spoofing it, and the fact that i think maybe reason the movie one of the reasons the movie was such a flop is it's spoofing a genre that i feel like is not super well known since it was like of like the Ray Harryhausen like Sinbad movies, yeah. Jason and <laughs> yeah. the Argonauts, yeah. Yeah. kind of like it's like a spoof yeah. of those, but it's like it's kind of hard to sell people on a spoof of like a already very niche, obscure kind of subgenre, like forgotten subgenre. But I think that like a lot of the stop motion and stuff in this, and just the format it takes of like an adventure movie, felt very much like it was spoofing like the Sinbad movies from like the the 50s and 60s. Yeah, two two things to combine some of those thoughts. First, to Jasper's point about the film play, I hadn't thought about that, but I noticed the lighting is really flat and it's actually, it's kind of the weakest part of the whole thing. And it, it does remind me of like on TV shows, like they'd have the main set, but then sometimes they'd go to like on a boat or whatever and you'd see them on the boat and that, like it always looked a little like slapdash. I think so really it comes down to like, just yeah, like, the lighting of this time was just like to us who are nowadays i'm sure it's just more sophisticated like it just it it screams like low budget it part of it especially contrasted with these like really intricate um you know animatronics and cgi and then the second thing that to me was a big revelation with this is that so one of the big blockbusters i can recall of our time um that was a runaway hit was pirates of the caribbean and what I remember reading as a young movie lover was everyone would be like, nobody thought that the pirate genre had any hope of being successful because of X, Y, and Z. And I was always like, that's dumb. Like, I've never, I don't have any experience with that. I feel like pirates are cool, you know, because I can think of like Peter Pan and other stuff like that. <laughs> now, having seen this movie, I can actually understand why they're like, oh, everyone thought the pirate genre was toast. You yeah, know? I think the film Cutthroat Island also had yeah, come out yeah, like, sure. not too long before this. And I feel like that could have been a reason they were poking fun at, or when did Cutthroat Island come out? Was it? 95. 1995. 95. Oh, so after this. So maybe the one two punch cabin boy and Cutthroat Island killed but, the... But, <laughs> but Hook came out before this, and I feel like that's kind of the same vibe, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, think about the early 90s kind of, like, swashbuckler adventure thing. I think there's... Because they were so ho- hokey. Like, they like those all those movies, the pirates are very, like, yar, you know, whereas Pirates of the Caribbean was a little more, like... Brooding. Yeah, it was, like, a little edgy. Yeah. Like, Jack Sparrow is a much edgier version of a sure. pirate. It's interesting you, meant you bring up, like, blockbusters, because this is a movie that clearly doesn't have blockbuster ambitions in its style, but I think that... At this time, people were becoming more accustomed to seeing more realism and set design, visual effects, things like that. So it almost like felt, even though so much of its practical effects and its design is intentional, 
I could see a lot of people going to see this and be like, huh? Like, this looks so dated. Like, this looks bad. But in hindsight, I think many years removed, it's easy to see now, like, oh, that was super cool and intentional. Like, that was that was a loving ode to, you know, an era where practical sets were an essential. Yeah, I think the end where Nathaniel meets with Trina at the end after his his pipes have been cleaned as the, the, the innuendo <laughs> of choice in this movie. And he feels easy. He, is a, he, like, goes to see her and she's in, like, this very like lush pool with like a garden around it. And then they ride off into the sunset. And to me, I think that like, I've always, I really like that set and how it sort of, mm-hmm. like, I've always been a fan of like kitschy, like sort of tropicalia kind of like Same, very colorful. Yeah. And I think that that really like the end on the Island, I really like like the phony sort of Hawaii that that kind of looks like. And I've always, yeah, I just, I, I like movie how, committed this movie is to the aesthetic of like we're gonna make this look like very fake in a lot of ways like it's just a very niche movie that i feel like if it weren't for tim burton having his like and chris elliott if it wasn't for tim burton sort of wanting this vision to go out then i don't think this movie would have had any chance and it barely had a chance anyways as shown by the the huge box office and critical failure when it came out other than like how funny it was, like this movie, my favorite part of it was like the visual effects, how just extreme they were. There was no shame and like looking realistic, obviously. Like that definitely wasn't the type of movie that would do that. Uh, but I loved like the scene with um, when her husband comes in, who's a giant, like the woman that he was going to go see. It looks great. And like the scene with the thunderclouds, uh, like blowing the storm winds it just seems like so much of this movie like max said is an homage to uh cinema from different eras like that was definitely like silent film uh max fleischer even type stuff yeah i think i think one of the like slimier bits in the movie that i think is really good is there's one scene where there's a brief appearance by a a floating cupcake comes to like taunt him while he's alone yeah. <laughs> on a raft. And the way he introduced it, he says like, yeah, I'm a big fat ass floating cupcake, which I just think is a very fun the way he <laughs> says it. And that's like a very, I think like killer clowns looking definitely aesthetic wow. on that thing. <laughs> and so, do, you, do you know who voices that cupcake? Who does voice the cupcake? I actually don't know. Winnie the Pooh himself, Jim Cummings. Oh wow, Jim oh, Cummings, uh, oh, voice nice. actor, a very prominent voice actor. <laughs> so there's a lot of like, there's so much to chew on in this, but like, I gotta say, there was some stuff that's very jarring in this, like that when you see like the, the the person on the front of the ship, like the 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 maiden, the woman, or whatever. Yeah, like when she comes alive, that's like what, like I just like I tilted my head like you know 45 degrees looking at that, but no, let me do that again. Like when that when you first see that come alive, it's just like very like WTF. Like it's like uh-huh. it's, it's also like the first moment of like cartoonishness, like super cartoonishness. I think you yeah. really get in the movie because like at the beginning you just kind of see him like being an over the top like fancy guy. He's just going around like bossing fancy around his lad. teachers, a fancy lad, <laughs> like bossing around his teachers, and then you get a very odd david letterman cameo where he just kind of rambles about how like <laughs> and tries to sell you like i want it ends with you want to buy a monkey he's trying to sell stock yeah. monkeys at the cove and then from that point on he gets on the boat and that's when things i feel like get like real wild but like leading up to that like there's just like and this goes to my point but, like there's so many like different like ideas like kind of smashing together in this like the 
earlier on in the movie when he's like leaving the school for fancy lads, he takes a limo to get to this to his destination where the boat's supposed to be. And I just think like that particular scene made me like it made me think of how like these spoof movies usually have that kind of anachronism to them. That's intentional and played for laughs. And that's how I received that when I was watching this. Yeah, I definitely think it's a very similar. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think the style of humor between this and like Top Secret Airplane is like Naked Gun. All it, it is a very similar style of humor, I think, and like very visual, a lot of visual gags, just like very over the top humor. And there's there's something interesting. Like I I think that the we can kind of pivot into like the Slimehouse, like is or is this not Slimehouse type of conversation. I think that. The prior to them getting on the boat is where the the most slimehouse things happen. We meet him at this at this preppy school where it's everything's kind of outrageously stuck up, you know. And he's kind of the rebel kid who's like, um, who's also like in, scheduled to have an inheritance, which we've seen in Deedles and some other ones. It's just kind of a funny like sub trope of slimehouse, like the the inheritor. Um, but it's it 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 then kind of goes into something else but um but I, there were times where i was watching that like get, where i'm like what is this like does it really take place in america like where you know what is this supposed to be and it is kind of like like there's this little fishing port and it feels completely otherworldly like yeah US. that really reminds me of like robert altman's popeye which another favorite oh, of mine that's yes. a movie that like while watching it the whole time you're like how does this exist? And I like, I think that's what, I love, what I love about the Robert Edwards Popeye is that town actually still exists. Yeah, you got know that's after crazy. After they built the set and they just turned it into a tourist town, which I think is really, really rad. Yeah, I've always um, wanted to go. It looks actually very, very beautiful. Not only very, like very the beautiful. novelty yeah. of Popeye, but just a very beautiful place. I like that you bring up that point, Nelson, about it feels just kind of like, where is this? And to me, it has this very storybook fairy tale vibe to it as well, um, especially in just kind of how the narrative moves around as well. Um, it almost feels like a theme park ride in a weird sense, not in just how it looks too, but just how it kind of moves from scene to scene. And it feels like it skips some like kind of explanations. Sometimes it just kind of moves from, you know, you're in the fishing port and then he goes on the boat and then, you know, he's out at sea on the raft and then they're in Antarctica with the ice monsters and they're in the island. It's like, it reminds me of like a ride you'd go on at Disneyland where like within the ride, they just have to hit the cool locations. Yeah, it's a very short um, movie. So I feel like it's kind of like made only of set pieces. Like you just kind yes, of get like, yes. they're in this, they're in this place. You get like a cool puppet or monster of some kind. You get a bunch of gags and then like it moves on to the next thing. And that like, so there's there's like no dead time in the movie as it moves between set pieces. And I think that's something I like about it. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Jasper, because something I actually find that slimy about it is the storybook nature, that it kind of feels like a, a twisted, like other people, they're like twisted fairy tales or like twisted storybooks or something that were a very popular source of humor for a while. And I think that there's like, not only the SpongeBob comparisons, there's kind of like a Nickelodeon-ness to this, or even yeah. an Adult Swim like ishness to this, which I think Pee Wee also had, but this pushes more to an extreme because it's sort of coarser the humor is than Pee Wee. But I think you see the roots of a lot of sort of adult like Adult Swim stuff and even Nickelodeon stuff in this movie's like absurdism. Yeah, it. I like that you bring up that Nickelodeon point. It it actually kind of reminds me of some of the darker like early Cartoon Network shows like a Dexter's Lab or something like that, that that had that darkness to them, but also were fun and were for kids and had humor that everybody could laugh at, kids and their parents. 
This, I think, leans a little bit more into the adult side of the humor, but it definitely has that kind of juvenileness that, to me, it at times did feel very, very slimy. I think overall, I think the humor is not necessarily Slimehouse, but I do think there was, you know, individual jokes peppered throughout the movie that I was like, oh, that's a slime gag, you know? Yeah, I think to me how like much of a live action cartoon this is is what made it feel like an appropriate fit for the Slimehouse podcast. It's sort of like how Killer Clowns I think fits in despite not being a necessarily a family movie or a Slimehouse movie. It's just there's it's a movie it's sort of an adult version of Slimehouse, a more adult version of Slimehouse. Another movie that we kind of came to that another birthday pick actually that we even though it's not PG-13 like the, the, those two movies are Mouse Hunt, I feel like we also can like, this seems a little more like out there for Slimehouse, but at the same time, it captures a lot of the spirit and the energy that we we look for when we watch these movies. Yeah, I think I was a little less, I was a little more like puzzled by some, because like, it, I think that the setup and the character feels like he could be a Slimehouse character, like the lead character in that, you know, he's a fish out of water and he's a spoiled brat kind of on purpose. And, you know, he's kind of got to learn his lesson and stuff like that, but it felt like some other type of humor. And I think largely because it is very adult humor. Like I think, remember like in Deedles, we're talking about how they would like, instead of saying the word, but they would say the word Heine, you know, and that just felt like, <laughs> yeah. like very deliberately, like trying to be something PG, you know, when this, they would say ass, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's throughout it, you know, I mean, the name of the boat is almost NSFW, you know? And so it's <laughs> like, perhaps like, yeah, like killer clowns where it's a little, like it has overlap, but, I wasn't as like convinced yeah. this was I think something about it is also I didn't see this movie as a kid but I think the humor is like edging between like being like racy and just being like naughty humor <laughs> it's very like naughty like body humor to where like as a kid I would be like oh getting his pipes cleaned like that's I know what that means that's funny so it's like mm -hmm. I feel like it, it definitely feels like an edginess to the humor that like could appeal to kids in the same way I feel like a lot of the early adult swim shows were where it's like they may be adult targeted but like if I catch them late at night when I'm like 10 years old there's going to be stuff that like I know is inappropriate and therefore I'm like oh now this is this is funny to me but it's not like racy to the level of like 40 year old virgin where it's like way too yeah. much uh, I definitely agree with Max when he described it as Slimehouse for adults uh, I feel like that this movie is adult slime house because uh, it doesn't dumb down the humor. I mean, it does dumb it down. It's dumb. At that point. <laughs> That's what I mean. But you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't like, it doesn't. Yeah. It's like, such a great correct. Like, uh, <laughs> like Nelson said, it doesn't, it says ass instead of Heine. Uh, yeah. Like there's like a lot of profanity in the movie. Yeah. But then it also is just super dumb and just like mindless fun entertainment for adults yeah i think it's like, um, it's a very stupid movie which i feel like makes it feel like you don't see a lot of like i feel like maybe some of the like adam sandler's around this era and stuff are kind of the same like i think billy madison is maybe a movie that i could say has a somewhat similar vibe to this in some scenes inherited yeah yeah yeah, uh -huh. yeah just a lot of like this very stupid humor that's like not necessarily targeted towards kids but most of it is based around like watch this dumb guy being dumb i think you see that especially with like andy richter's character in this it's yeah. like yeah. every scene he's in it's just like he's like a complete dolt and it's just like i think like humor based around just like look at how dumb these people are is something that i feel has some sliminess to it and you don't that's see it especially definitely. now targeted towards adults the way that you see it with this and this, a lot of other like 90s comedy around this time well i think this movie is really a product of its era in that like 
slacker comedies were a big thing around this time. I think we've, we've mentioned Pauly Shore a lot on this show mm-hmm. without covering any of his movies yet. I feel a lot of that energy in this movie. It feels like that kind of like owed to the adventure movies we've been talking about, but like kind of filtered through this like slacker comedy energy, like Manchild who still lives with his parents kind of thing. And uh, You know what you are? You're, you're one of those little uh, fancy lads, aren't you? <laughs> Boy, you're cute. Okay. Gosh, what a sweet little outfit. Is it your little spring outfit? No. <laughs> you couldn't be cuter. You're so adorable. Oh, my. You know, you remind me of my niece, Sally. Lovely girl. She's she's a dietitian. Hey, would you like to buy a monkey? This idea came about because Tim Burton called us out of the blue. We were doing uh, Get a Life, and uh, he called and wanted to talk about maybe doing a kind of a peewee... Pee-wee's Big Adventure for the 90s. Um, that I guess, uh, but not with Pee-wee. But not with Pee-wee. It probably would have worked with Pee-wee, but... So this movie is part of the Kino Lorber collection, which you wouldn't expect given this movie's <laughs> reputation as like this big box office bomb comedy that you know was featured on like Worst of the Year lists back in 94. But a lot of the special features on that are, um, it was basically, there's a commentary track of Adam Resnick and Chris Elliott like watching this movie, I think, for the first time since it came out, because they were like traumatized by how badly this movie was received. And some movies, it's really good to go in knowing nothing, but I feel like if you're going to seek out Cabin Boy based off this episode and what have you, I think it's really worthwhile to like, you know, there, there's a really great oral history of the movie that the backstory like this was a tim burton movie he blackballed it and then these two guys had to finish it and put their kind of like slacker comedy kind of vibe into it i think that knowing that makes the movie more interesting and it makes it funnier Mm -hmm. for me yeah because i was reading something i thought was interesting is like the boat set because the budget was so low after tim burton had left and they were all just kind of like amateurs trying to put together this movie that was supposed to be like kind of a big vehicle for chris elliott and like they were apparently like filming. They could. It was too expensive to switch up the water where they were filming, so yes. it was like the uh, same water like the whole time. So it was just getting like disgusting, and no one wanted to like have to fall in it by the end of like, <laughs> filming. So it was like truly like a, a pretty bare bones production, which I think gives it a sort of like DIY charm to the yes. movie. Yeah, where totally. it's like because it's like all very like fake sets and fi- like you can definitely tell there's a cheapness but they're really giving it their all to make it look grand and like yeah uh a comparison that i just thought of actually and this this isn't like a a close comparison but um you're somebody was mentioning the like naughty humor and you know this kind of diy low budget set it's kind of bringing back memories of monty python and the holy grail a little bit and obviously Monty Python is a little bit more sophisticated, a little much older for adults, but Monty Python and the Holy Grail for me was on a, a personal gateway from the kind of slime house comedy world that, you know, was just kind of in theaters into something a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more adult. And I can see that sensibility in this movie too. You know, it's, it's, it has that sense, you know, it, it it plays close to kind of some kids' humors, but it's an easy way. You know, there are some jokes where, as you said, Max, like, oh, ha, ha I know what getting the pipes cleaned means, you know, like some s- simple innuendos that are just kind of funny because 
getting your pipes cleaned is a funny phrase, you know? Um, <laughs> but now that you bring up that kind of like low budget nature of it, you know, the Holy Money Path and the Holy Grail to me was always so cool as a kid because it looked like they were just doing this in their backyard in some regards. They're just like going off into the English countryside and like, oh, let's like shoot this scene with a castle. We can't afford horses. So let's just gallop on, you know, <laughs> you know, and so Cabin Boy kind of reminds me of that, you know, in yeah. a way. Yeah, I think Monty Python's a really good comparison point, actually, because that's another one where, like, I saw that movie when I was a kid, and, like, there's the scene with, like, the maidens in the castle that's, like, yeah. a very sort of, like, yeah. naughty, like, innuendo-laden scene, and I feel like the a lot of the, like, dirty humor in this movie reminds me of that, and I think visually, like, this has a very, like, not only Monty Python, but, like, Terry Gilliam's, like, Time Bandits or Baron yes, Munchausen, yes. like, type look to it where it's this sort of like Baron Munchausen's a great comparison yeah like a twisted like story like fairy tale type like storybook type look to it and like even later it's a show I didn't watch much of but it definitely I feel like has a lot of like similar to Monty Python the show the mighty boosh which I remember oh, being yes. a thing yes. definitely from what I saw has a lot of similarities to this so it's like I feel like following in a grand tradition of like absurdist like dumb humor that's like dumb to like intentionally so stupid that like that's the humor it's the most lowbrow possible humor that you could oh, throw I, it's like oh. no, i will disagree i actually don't think this is like mm. super lowbrow to me lowbrow is like there's a weird kind of like fantastical element to the storybook nature of it where it feels like they clearly kind of thought this through but we're also improving you know like Oh, yeah, this is yeah. where the ice monster is going to come in. Oh, this the, yeah. the guy is a giant. And, you know, there's there's an yeah. element of, of zaniness and improv and surrealism there. But at the same time, I don't want to call it lowbrow because to me, lowbrow is like. I don't know, I, I guess mm -hmm. I think of like the Adam Sandler's of the world, mm -hmm. you know, where it's kind of just making like racist jokes or low hanging fruit jokes, whereas this. It feels like a more thought through concept. Definitely. I think that's, whole. I feel like it's like, it's very much like a, a mix. Yeah. Like, cause what, yeah, when I said lowbrow, I meant more and just like, it's, it's really stupid, like mostly like gross out and like, yeah, like, yeah. like someone acting dumb or falling down or saying something stupid is like the joke. But I feel like, yeah, what I like about the movie is sort of how much it melds like the highbrow nature of like how high concept it is and the way it looks and the sets with how dumb a lot of the humor is, is I think what makes it such a fascinating sort of curio. And I mean, speaking of curio, we'd be remiss to end the episode without talking a little bit about Chucky, one of the stranger, <laughs> one of the stranger and the characters in the movie. And definitely my favorite part of the movie, just because of the, how absurd everything is revolving around chalky i mean goodbye sweet chalky i shan't forget you half man half shark equals one complete gentleman the character's already absurd on the surface level that he's like shark in a human bread and he's the result and he's just like he kind of has a sliminess to him where he's like, they all talk about how they're scared of him because he's so flighty, but like he takes a light. <laughs> they think he's kind of flighty, which for some reason I found very funny. But like they, they talk about how flighty he is, but how he takes a liking to certain people and he ends up being the hero and, and saving Nathaniel and the, the crew. And I think just like 
I don't think it's either. it would be very hard to replicate. I had no idea Russ Tamblin was in this movie. The moment when like he swam up shirtless with like shark fins. I'm a huge <laughs> Twin Peaks fan, and just like when Doctor Jacoby like pulls up like as a shark man, I was like, damn, this movie's this movie's special. <laughs> I, I I have to wonder if uh, Racer Rodriguez caught this on TV when he was really oh, young, yeah, and that's how got, uh, the original Shark Boy. Shark Boy. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Jockey is the OG Shark Boy. Yeah, yeah actually, he's, even, like, he's even flighty, much like Shark Boy. I like I like that you bring Shark Boy up, uh, Jared, because in a, in a weird way, this kind of has a, a just the narrative flow feels a little Shark Boy in Lava Girl esque. Oh yeah, like it's just yeah. kind of like set piece to set piece. They don't connect except that they're all just outrageous and really kind of creative, balls to the wall like creative. Um, so yeah, that that's a good. This would be a good double feature pairing: a couple of shark boys and a couple of shark gills. We should write this down for the inevitable Slimehouse Film Festival. Mm-hmm. We could get <laughs> get Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick. So I've watched so many YouTube videos of them like doing screenings of this and talking about the movie, and you get a lot of fun stories out of it. I recommend if anybody watches and enjoys Cabin Boy from this episode, check out like some Adam Resnick, Chris Elliott like contemporary interviews because they tell a lot of fun stories about the making of this in the set i want to tell a fun story about the giant and the actor that plays the giant mike star oh yeah mike star i ran into him at a five guys in tustin california back in september 2011 10 years ago (laughs) oh wow Wow. how did you recognize him actually i didn't i also ran into my english teacher from high school and uh, then we just, I ate lunch with her, and then like she and her husband recognized him and pointed him out to me. What is he most well known for? Like, Dumb and Dumber, uh, like probably. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I honestly thought it was I thought it was Danny Aleo at first, uh, but I was mistaken. I, yeah. I also thought it was Danny Aleo the first time I watched the movie. <laughs> and one thing I uh, learned in the King of Lorbert's special features is that that was actually meant to be Bill Murray at first in that role, but they couldn't get him. I think maybe also because of Ed Wood, but yeah. Oh, yes. oh yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, I actually think Mike Starr, he's an actor I'm not really familiar with. I think he's very funny in that role. I think it's one of the, the funnier bits <laughs> in the movie is his character, just like his tired like salesman, but he's also a giant <laughs> married to like a, a fertility goddess, but he just like gets home from work and is like mad that it's what Mike, <laughs> I'm gonna like go I, beat up some sailor boys. Yeah, and just like <laughs> yeah, that's of like example. weird, like Brooklyn dude, like kind of thing. But he's just like this, like tired sail giant salesman. I just think that's a very funny <laughs> bit, bringing in like a a salesman into like a mythological world. I feel like is a a funny bit. Yeah, that and that's an example of where like I think this movie is interesting, but I don't, I wouldn't call that part slime out you know that whole yeah yeah definitely i think that whole uh but there is i think one of the most slime house moments of this i talked about the beginning feeling slime house to me but i also think the ending feels very slimish to me with the ultimate dream destination of hawaii (laughs) and we finally see all the the salty pirate-esque sailors in their like in their hawaiian shirts and drinking their you know, fancy tiki drinks. And I'm like, man, that is so funny that like, yeah, this era, like that was just the ultimate sign of success and relaxation. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think that the way it resolves itself, not only in Hawaii is slimy, but I think the whole like setup is slimy just in that, like they've learned to like the the found family, they've learned like he loves the sea and they're, they're going to miss him. Like the fact that they all come together, like he's accepted by the crew. It felt 
like a, a slimy way for the movie to wrap itself up. See, it almost felt like a parody of that kind of like arc in a movie. Yeah, like, and then when like, he rides, and then like when he rides off into the sunset and he's like riding on the swimmer's back, I think that's a very fun. Oh, like, I love that. Gag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminded me of um, two references. One, uh, the movie Swiss Army Man. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah that was yeah, <laughs> uh, which I think is a, a funny reference, but also in. One of the SpongeBob movies, SpongeBob and Patrick Starr uh, surf on David Hasselhoff's back as he swims out uh, into the ocean. So yeah. funny, funny little callbacks there. What do you guys think of it? You think we're ready for some some slime scores for the Cabin yeah, Boy? Yeah, I think we're unless, unless anyone has any uh, some any pirate jokes you want to tell, I've got I've got a lot. But... Well, <laughs> actually, actually, you know what I was I was thinking. Do you guys know why the ocean roars? I don't. Why is that? Well, well, I mean, you would too if you had crabs on your bottom. Do <laughs> <laughs> you guys oh know that this God. movie was originally rated R? <laughs> it actually was. Oh, uh, well, on that note, uh, does anyone know what a, a, a pirate's favorite letter is? R. R? Ah, you would think that, but apparent <laughs> true love is the sea. That's a pretty good one. We all have such an encyclopedia of pirate jokes. I can't think of anything. Oh, I've, got, I've, got, I've got five more. <laughs> yeah. Well, before you waste them all, let's get into slime scars. Who wants to kick it off? Max, since you're the no, I can start it off. It's my yeah, birthday go. pick. Like yeah. I've already oh, established, I, did, I didn't pick this as my birthday pick because I think it's like the slimiest movie. It mostly was because it's a movie that I think like has some elements of slime and I also just like, but mostly I just like it and wanted to talk about it. And you like, <laughs> like with you, I wanted to talk about it with you all, sort of like I feel like with killer clowns. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like totally I feel like good. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to pick a movie that I didn't think we would get to at some point. Cause like, I know Clifford was the most popular guess for mm -hmm. what my pick would be, which was a good guess, but I feel like Clifford is essential enough slime that we'll get to it sooner or later. But so I think, I don't think cabin boy is a super slimy movie. I think I would probably land it at about a, I was going back and forth between three and four. Uh, figured I'd give it a four just because I think that a lot of the, we didn't talk too much about the Burtonishness of this movie, how like, but there's a lot of like, Burtony sort of creatures that pop up, especially the cupcake that we referred to earlier. And I think that like it very much has a live action cartoonishness to it, which as I've established is kind of like I know it's not the only slime house aesthetic, but it's my favorite like slime house aesthetic, kind of like the speed racer, Scooby Doo live action, like cat in the hat, Grinch type, like hyper stylization. And I think this movie has a lot of that. And I think like a lot of the like salty sea humor i think ended up being a big influence on spongebob and flapjack which i think are such essential like kids things that they there's a sliminess to them so i think but like we said there's also this the more adult movie than most slime it's very much grounded in the sort of like letterman chris elliott like alt comedy world of that time sort of like weird offbeat comedy and i think for that reason it can't be truly super slimy. So I'd, I, yeah, I'd settle on a four for this one. I'm in kind of a similar boat. I want to say a three for this. Um, I think there is some slimy humor in here. I think there's a lot of gross out stuff that would fit very nicely in a, in a true slime house movie. I think the cupcake gag, especially when that came up, I was like, okay, this is at least a two. This is like a very slimy gag, you know, 
And I do, I, I really like the point. I didn't really think about this, but I really like the point that this is kind of a precursor to kind of some more complex humor in some of the Nickelodeon cartoons. And we talk a lot about how a lot of these like early 90s comedy people started to bleed into the Nickelodeon world, bleed into the kind of Slimehouse family entertainment world and create kind of a little bit more surreal kind of sense of humor, something like a good burger, something like that. This is not, you know, anywhere close to good burger but um for that I, I i will give it a three i think aesthetically it's not slimy whatsoever but i, I do think the sensibilities are kind of within the same camp so uh, i basically agree with a lot of stuff that jasper and max have to say about it and i'm gonna give it a four as well um in that i feel like there's definitely some slime house elements there not enough for me to call it a slime house movie but enough for it to be strong enough to notice and i'd say that's where a four is about in the scale i'd land it yeah, I'm going to give it a three. I think that there are some elements of the conceit that feel Slimehouse. Again, the beginning kind of feels a, a hint of that, and the ending does for me too. And I, it definitely reminds me so much of SpongeBob, but I I, I don't even necessarily consider SpongeBob 100% Slimehouse. That's that's a conversation for another day. It felt like a, like a something else comedy, but I can, I can see Max's thinking of let's get it on the roster because this would be a hard sell if we're like, building our schedule as like an essential <laughs> um, so uh but yeah so i'll settle it at a three uh it's down to me i suppose went into this thinking it was a two just because it felt more like a slacker comedy like an adult slacker comedy than like a kid's movie um but hearing out the argument this is like a live action cartoon and its influence on uh spongebob in particular um has me raising my score up to a three and definitely i like movies that are kind of like the um Max was saying the can't believe this exists interesting backstories kind of checks a lot of boxes for me so thanks for picking it and happy yeah, birthday yeah thank you i was glad glad to introduce mm -hmm. it because i'm a i think a very interesting curio that like even if maybe not the the greatest film ever made just something that like i'm very drawn to a very specific cross section of things i like and i'm glad <laughs> glad to introduce it to it was one of the funniest mm-hmm well, I'm glad yeah, you agreed. Yeah. I'm very happy to finally sure. watch it. I had a really good time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a fun watch. <laughs> oh, this, was your, this was your first watch. Yeah, Dorothy hadn't seen yeah. it before. I watched. Oh, it. Wow. I hadn't even heard of it until a few months ago, and Max watched it. Uh -huh. Yeah, at some point, I I cannot wait. Uh, it's kind of a side note for our listeners. Like we all watch these movies on our own, which is its own kind of experience for the most part. <laughs> and so, at some point, it'll be very fun to like all gather and and see how different the humor plays and. Oh wow! Really, I'm so excited to all of I... us and have all of us be in the same room. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I am too. We'll we will It'll do. Be it. weird and surreal. I know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I met. All right, and with that, um, thank you all for listening uh, to the Cabin Boy, my birthday pick, and uh, stay salty and stay slimy. Slimehouse, a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Birnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. If you like this episode, you can find more fun on slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Company. Our theme music composed by Greta Russell. Support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod on all platforms.